With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Hello all, I had a, a couple of news items I wanted to, uh, to talk about before we get into this week's episode. First off, uh, because the, the playoffs are this week, I've decided to do a couple of bonus episodes for you and uh, they will be coming out on Friday. There will be an Eastern and Western Conference playoff preview, so uh, stay tuned for that. And also, I just wanted to uh, to make note that this episode you're about to listen to uh, was was recorded last week. Evan Dial and I, after we did our uh, our, our season award podcast, we uh, we decided to to break down the one playoff series that we could that we knew about, which was the Celtics versus Pacers. So uh, at the time, we didn't know uh, who was going to have the home court advantage. Now we know that it will be the uh, the Boston Celtics in the four spot. But uh, we'll, we've got some uh, predictions in terms of uh, what if the series uh, did happen to be with, uh, with Indiana having home court. But uh, without further ado, I hope you uh, enjoy this episode. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron for three for the win! Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan! It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Gary Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and with me, a very special guest. This is his actually his fourth time on the program because we just finished our uh, discussion on the, the season awards, and uh, I thought we would also get kick-started on uh, my playoff previews because we have one matchup that pretty much is a certainty to happen at this point, and that is the uh, the Boston Celtics versus the Indiana Pacers. And uh, to uh, to discuss this with me, I have Evan Dial. Evan, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. I'm excited to talk playoffs finally. Yes, and again, I think there's about a 99.9% chance that the 4-5 matchup will be Celtics-Pacers. Uh, we, we don't know yet uh, because, again, with uh, we're recording this on uh, April 3rd. We've got about a week left in the season, and the Celtics and Pacers still have one more matchup to go. But as of right now, uh, they, they've got this identical record. So we, we don't know at this point of, of doing this podcast who's going to have the home court advantage. 
uh, but we're going to uh, kind of uh, break down what we think in terms of how we would approach this matchup if we were the head coaches. I ended up choosing uh, the, the Pacers, so I'm going to be acting as Nate McMillan, and uh, Evan uh, has, has chosen the Boston Celtics, so he will be acting as Brad Stevens. And at the end, we'll, uh, we'll give our series predictions. But uh, first question for you as, uh, as Brad Stevens, what opponent strengths, uh, you know, what, what are the strengths of the Indiana Pacers that kind of concern you as, as the head coach of the Celtics? Well, one is their defense. Uh, they're third in the league. They protect the rim. They get back in transition. They don't give a lot of easy points. And they don't really make just simple mistakes. So finding ways to score, even though in, during the regular season matchups, at least during three, I know they've won more in a game. That hasn't been a huge problem. But their, their team defense, for sure, and their ability to protect the rim without fouling too much, I think would be one of the, the concerns I would have. Yeah, the Pacers have been absolutely dominant on, on the defensive end all season long. Uh, the as uh, as Nate McMillan, the thing that concerns me about about Boston again, it's it's going to be another uh, comment on on the defense. The Celtics are uh, when they're locked in, one of the best defenses in the NBA, and in particular their defense in the interior with the likes of Horford and Baines. They've got uh, a couple of guys that have superior strength and know how in terms of defending on the block. We've seen those two guys give Joel Embiid some big time issues last year in the playoffs. And, you know, without the likes of Oladipo on my, uh, on my playoff rotation here, uh, you know, I've got to get scoring from the likes of Sabonis and Turner and, uh, and Thaddeus Young and, and Horford. And uh, Horford and Baines might make that pretty difficult. No, yeah, Horford and Baines. I mean, obviously Horford can play both front court spots. Baines is one of the best in just verticality, post defender, rim protection. It's definitely a strength for sure. Now, uh, when it comes down to the to the actual matchups here, uh, you know, position for position, which matchups uh, really concern you as uh, as Brad Stevens? I think Bogdanovich for sure, uh, really underrated here. Really, really strong shooter can post up mismatches if you switch on him and hide smaller players. Uh, so I think just keeping track of him, he runs off a lot of screens and making sure he doesn't get a ton of looks. He's been a problem in the regular season. He's averaged 18. So when we're on defense, I think guarding Bogdanovich is the biggest concern because when he gets hot, he can kind of get their whole team going for sure. Yeah, and since the All-Star break, he's been averaging over, I believe, over 22 points a game. He's been he's been really good, and, and he's stepped into that role as, uh, you know, the Oladipo role of being of being the number one option. And you're right, his size and his ability to not only shoot the three but post up and attack off the dribble makes him a, a difficult matchup. And I think with, with the Celtics, uh, in terms of their defense, you know, I mentioned they've got the guys in Horford and Baines to defend big men. Uh, you know, a guy like Marcus Smart is so good at defending perimeter players, but but I think they're the the weakest spot on that Celtics defense is kind of that wing defense. You know, they've got some solid guys in in Morris and uh, and and Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum, but uh, I, I think that is their 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 weak link on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, they, I mean they have a ton of wings and they can throw multiple guys at him, but all of those guys may not be a lead and they may want to use Marcus Smart for, you know, 
other matchups, maybe Tyreek Evans, but I think Smart will get some time on Bogdanovich for sure. Now, uh, as Nate McMillan, the, the matchup, a couple of the matchups that concern me as far as the, the Celtics, obviously Kyrie Irving, you know, his, uh, his scoring ability and his isolation prowess speaks for itself. That's, that's a concern, and especially in a series, a, a grinded-out battle. Uh, you know, you saw that in the series last year between Indiana and Cleveland, having LeBron James just be able to, to score at will in isolation made the difference in that series. Certainly Kyrie is capable of doing something like that as well. And also Horford in his pick-and-pop ability, that, that concerns me as far as, you know, Miles Turner, again, the, the league leader in, in, in block shots. Uh, his rim protection is so important to our overall defense, and Horford is one of those guys that, uh, that, uh, that makes it difficult on, on rim protectors. Yeah, that's been Horford's thing for years. Uh, obviously, he has a three ball and loves pulling rim protectors away from the basket with all the dribble handoff stuff he does with Kyrie. So that'll be something we'll definitely Boston will look to do. Now, uh, in terms of uh, of your pick and roll coverage as Brad Stevens, how are you planning on going up against the, the this Pacers pick and roll offense? I think you'd be pretty conservative, drop back. Uh, without Oladipo, they don't have a lot of guards that really can pretend, penetrate and scare you a ton. And since Indiana likes to play big a lot, you're going to want to have some size out there. So maybe Horford at the four with Baines at the five. Drop back, have him stay near the basket. Try to, you know, use verticality, not foul, and just make sure you limit second chance points. But I think there'll be only certain situations at key points in the games where if Indiana goes small, we may need to start switching things. But besides that, it should just be a conservative drop back. Well, yeah, and I, I think one thing, uh, you know, I because I am Nate McMillan, I have to criticize myself. You know, they don't utilize Miles Turner's pick and pop enough on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, so, right. you know, playing that drop back defense, you know, doesn't, doesn't hurt teams as much as it probably should against... Uh, against a, a big man that can shoot like Turner can. So that is probably a, a solid strategy, and I think Darren Collison also uh, has uh, you know, struggled a little bit in terms of uh, shooting off the dribble. I think he's, he's really good when he can just catch and, and have time to let it fly, but, but off the dribble in, in a playoff pressure, he struggled last season against, uh, against the Cavs for sure. But uh, uh, as, uh, as the Pacers, I think one of the things that we're going to do against Kyrie Irving because he is one of those guys that can can knock down shots off the dribble is we're going to show pretty aggressively we're going to almost hedge and recover with with the likes of Miles Turner uh and uh and and try to go over the top of those screens and and contest from behind if we have to and then in terms of recovering out to Horford who who does like to pick and pop uh we're we're going to be late with uh, with Turner since he's going to be showing aggressively towards Kyrie but with our help defenders on the weak side we're going to uh you know to show to touch or stunt to touch and make sure that Horford has uh, you know he sees guys in his near vicinity when he tries to let fly No yeah I think that's probably the way I would defend myself <laughs> as Brad Stevens for sure but, uh, yeah, in terms, I think in terms of just one more thing on our side, it just I may try to let Miles Turner shoot a couple threes early on because he can kind of, he's a good shooter, but a streaky one. And I think there's just a mind game of leaving D 
decent shooters open so many times, and they just say, like, do I want to take this many threes? So I think we may try to play with that a little bit. No, I think that's uh, that's something, you know, we, we talked a little bit about uh, when, when we were recording our podcast on the season awards about Milwaukee's defensive scheme and how they've allowed more three-point attempts than any team in the NBA and a lot of times that is to big men Uh, I think there is sort of a mind game especially with with centers of like oh you're leaving me open for the the fourth straight time you know Ben Falk talked about this a little bit uh, with with his article on cleaning the glass, but but you yeah. know sometimes big men that you know they want to play team basketball. I think all players kind of want to play team basketball. They don't want to feel like a ball hog. And if you're just open four or five times as a guy that is like Turner, a, a high thirties three point shooter, you should be firing away. Right. Yeah. That's it's the right basketball play to do. It just you know sometimes it gets in players' heads and they're like, oh, am I shooting too much? Maybe I should drive or be set or what have you so I think that's just an interesting mind game and I think something Boston may look to try an interesting question I think is uh, in terms of you know we, we've seen it over the years you know with with Steve Kerr when he was down 2-1 in the finals in in 2015 moving Andre Iguodala uh, into the starting lineup and and uh, and changing that series also earlier in that same playoffs you know, against Memphis, they put Andrew Bogut on Tony Allen when they got down 2-1 in that series. So, you know, a lot of times I think coaches make these changes, uh, you know, once you've gotten down in a series, maybe once you've lost two of the four games, uh, because at that point it starts to get a little bit desperation time. We've got to throw out all the tools. We've got to come up with all the strategies that we think uh, can help us succeed. Uh, so, so I think an interesting question to talk about when it comes to this series is if either of these teams get down 0-2, what are the adjustments they make? So, Evan, again, as as Brad Stevens, if you find yourself as the Celtics down 0-2 to the Pacers, what kind of adjustments or, or you know, what kind of out-of-the-box ideas do you have to, uh, to change the momentum? Well, first I will say I would be surprised if Boston is down 0-2. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but if they are... I think there's a couple things you could do. One is just shrink the rotation. Maybe Gordon Hayward has, you know, had two bad games. Maybe you don't make some tough choice. You don't play Hayward. Jalen Brown's been up and down all year. Terry Rozier's been up and down. So maybe you cut minutes for those guys and you go with the players you trust. Horford, Kyrie, have one of those guys on the floor at all times, I think's big. More Horford at center if the offense tries to stagnate, get a little more shooting around him. And then you just you go to the matchups that are working. You have to do it. Maybe it's Tatum on Bogdanovich or something like that. And then Baines off the bench, have him deal with Sabonis. So I think they would just really just come down to eliminate the minutes to some of the, the fringe players. Yeah, I think that's, a, you know, the, the rotations is always a fascinating question, you know, because, you know, going back to the last couple of years with the Toronto Raptors, you know, they've had a ton of depth. And, you know, in the regular season, that really pays off. But then in the playoffs, maybe not so much. Where do you feel like not maybe not even just uh, factoring in the Celtics here, but just any playoff team, what do you feel like is kind of the sweet spot in terms of how many players should be in a playoff rotation? That's a really interesting question because I know a lot of coaches would view that differently. I would probably say eight, maybe nine, depending on certain matchups but that seems a sweet because like like Milwaukee plays 11 guys regularly in the regular season but 
I would be surprised if they did that in the playoffs minus garbage time. So you want to go with the players you absolutely trust and the players you're most likely to be are two-way players unless they're elite on one way. So I would say eight, occasional seven, nine. Yep, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you there. Yeah, essentially, if, if you're going with eight, that's just a backup big, a backup wing, and a backup guard, pretty much. Um, right. So, and then, yeah, nine would give you, if you've got a guy that's more of a specialty player, whether that be like a Kyle Korver for Utah, or a guy that's a, you know, purely a defensive guy, you could maybe throw them in there in certain situations. Uh, but, but yeah, that that is an interesting thing. And with Boston, you know, that's certainly a, a difficult thing because they've played more than eight or nine all season long. They've got, you know, 11 or 12 playable guys. Yeah, they're a really deep team, even though a lot of their deepness has been as struggled and been inconsistent in time. But they've got guys, and I'm really fascinated to see Brad Stevens' real-life real rotations. Now, uh my uh, my down 0-2 in the series adjustments, if, if Indiana gets down 0-2, and, and like you said, it's it's more likely that Indiana is down 0-2 in this series than it is Boston. So uh, this is more of a, a realistic thing that might have to happen. What, a couple of the things, one is I might take Miles Turner off of Al Horford. Uh, you know, again, Horford yeah. with his with his pick-and-pop ability makes it really hard for a rim protector to, uh, to be out there uh, and, and defend him. And also, you know, do what he does best. So, you know, taking Turner off of Horford and maybe putting him on one of the weaker shooters that are out there on the floor, like a uh, like a Marcus Smart, uh, even though he's he's been better from three this season. Uh, but you know, similar to what I talked about when Golden State put Andrew Bogut on uh, on on the likes of Tony Allen in that in that Golden State Memphis series, I think that could be something that that might work. What do you think of that? No, I like that move. That reminds me of last year's uh, series. Uh, Philly took Joella Bede off Horford. Yeah. And they, they put him on Marcus Morris. And just because Horford just creates so many problems for rim protectors. So I'd be interested to see if it comes for that. But that's definitely, I think, a card Nate McMillan needs to be willing to play. Now, the, the other big one that, that I think could, could help, especially, again, if, if Darren Collison is struggling uh, against the Celtics like he did in the playoffs last year against Cleveland and, and in large part not only does he struggle because he's not uh, you know his shot is is a slower release and in a playoffs you don't get a lot of opportunities where you have three or four seconds to let it fly you know defenses right. are just so much more athletic and so much more locked in on your strengths and weaknesses so if Collison is really struggling on the offensive end, you know he is a liability defensively due to his size, and, and we saw in this last matchup between the the Celtics and Pacers uh, that was a really good game. The Celtics ended up winning by two. That, uh, yeah. that they really attacked Collison in the interior. So one of the things I might do is take Collison out of the starting lineup, insert Tyreek Evans, and go with just a super big lineup that's uh, that that can switch everything and and really has not too many defensive weaknesses. That's an interesting move. They, they also, they've got options with their guards, and Corey Joseph, if they want to be more defensive and a little more physical. That may hurt the offense, though. Maybe playing them with Tyreek together and mixing and matching that group. So um, the indie guard rotation, I think, is interesting. Yeah, what did you, uh, did you get a chance to catch that, uh, that last game between the, the Pacers and Celtics? I didn't watch the full game, just the highlights, but a really good game. And of the three they played, two have gone down to the wire. 
Yeah, and and they've had a they've had some competitive games uh, going back the last couple of years. There was that game I think it was last year where they had a play where Indiana was I think up one and uh, the the Celtics were pressuring full court and Bogdanovich threw this looping pass trying to throw it cross court and Rozier picked it off and and laid it in with like a second to go oh, to win yeah. the game. That was wild. Uh, so so there has been a lot of a lot of really interesting games and. And out of you know, again, we we're recording this on uh, you know a week before the, the 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 end of the regular season. But but out of uh, all of the playoff matchups in the West, especially given uh, the situation with Portland and and Yusuf Nurkic unfortunately going down, uh, this series might be one of the more compelling ones in in the entire first round. Yeah, I think the other East round ones won't be very competitive at all. So even even. Indiana without Oladipo, well, I think will give Boston absolutely everything they got. They're a tough out every single night, so it should be a competitive series, even even though I don't think it may last a very long time. So uh, it, it sounds to me like you you aren't very concerned about the the Celtics' struggles this season. You know they they've certainly underachieved. I myself predicted them to win sixty plus games. Uh, you know, they, they seem to have had chemistry issues, like, you know, Marcus Morris was quoted as saying, we're just not having fun right now. Uh, but but it sounds like to me that, that you're not really that, that concerned about all of those issues come postseason. Yeah, so it's definitely been a weird up and down year for Boston. Like you, I was super high on them to start the season. I thought they would be the one seed and the best team in the East. But, you know, Rozier, Brown, it consists Hayward, not being back like we thought they would. They've had a lot going on, but I still think they've shown when they've locked in against the teams they get up for that defensively they're one of the best teams. Offensively, despite the problems, they're still eighth in offense this year. They're deep. They can play a lot of different styles, matchups. Indiana will be tough, but I think they're just a little outmanned here. So I'll be as the playoffs continue maybe more worried for boston but i like them in this round all right so uh that's a perfect segue into our prediction so again we don't know who has home court as of now but uh let's let's hear your prediction if the boston celtics were to uh were to get the four seed so if boston's home i think it'll be five which doesn't sound super competitive but i do think the games will be fairly close it'll just be kind of you know, Indy hangs around for three and a half quarters and Boston pulls away at the end kind of games. And if Indy is home court, I think they could stretch it one more game and Boston would win it six at home. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned that a uh, five-game series doesn't necessarily mean it's not competitive. I mean, look at that Boston-Philly series last year. There were a lot of close games in that series, yeah, and Boston absolutely. won that in five. So so I'm I'm in total agreement with you. I, I, I have the same exact prediction. Uh, Boston, with home court advantage, you just got to imagine that they're, that they're going to – they were so good last year at home in the playoffs. You got to imagine they're going to hold home court – and uh, you know, to win in five, all you got to do is is win a single game on the road. Right, exactly. And I know it's a little tough to play, but I think with the veteran and the experience Boston has, that should be they should be able to do that. And I think you know, Indiana, the the fact that uh, that that they play really good defense, uh, you know, they they're uh, they're going to compete hard. Uh, if if they have home court, you know, again, if even if the, they win one of the first. 
uh, four games. They've got game five at home as well. Uh, I have a hard time believing Boston's going to take uh, two on the road, although it's it's very possible. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think Indiana would make it a little bit more competitive, but you know, if Boston's on the road, a game six would be in Boston. I think they they would close it out there. But uh, is there any other uh, stray thoughts you might have about this matchup or, or these two teams in general before we uh, finish up here? Um, Thaddeus Young. I would be once had a really underrated great year. His shot came defensively. He can guard multiple positions. He's just a guy I trust. I think he's underrated. Really good year. So just a shout-out for him. And I'm interested to see how where they look for him in offense and how he holds up and switches in terms of Boston's guard, if it does come to that. So I think he's just a player to watch. Yeah, he's definitely an X-factor, not only because he's he's a guy that's capable of knocking down threes, and he's certainly going, the Boston Celtics, I think, are going to be comfortable letting him fire away from three if he can knock down a decent percentage. Again, you know, the, the, the playoffs are so interesting because, you know, again, we're talking about a seven-game sample here. Uh, you know, over the course of an entire NBA regular season, you know, guys are going to shoot their typical percentages. But a guy could get hot. You know, if Thaddeus Young gets hot from three, a guy like Tyreek Evans gets hot from three. That can uh, that can change things. Absolutely. There's always one player who can swing a game, a quarter, or end up a series next round. Then that's what makes the playoffs so fun and great. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I, I am counting down the days until the, the playoffs start. You know, the regular season is fun and all, but the playoffs are, are really where things get uh, get really exciting. But, uh, Evan, thank you so much for, for doing this and taking the time. Absolutely. My pleasure, buddy. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can uh, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. If you can leave a, uh, a rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Uh, the show is also now on Spotify. Uh, if you can uh, give the show a follow, again, a rating on there, uh, that uh, that really helps a lot. If uh, if you've got any uh, questions or comments or uh, or ideas for uh, for future episodes, uh, you can contact me. Uh, on Twitter, at Garrett Bouguet, and also uh, my email is g-bouguet at onu.edu. So uh, feel free to, uh, to uh, give me any of your uh, ideas. I, I love to hear from, uh, from the people listening to the program, and uh, enjoy the next week of the NBA calendar, and uh, have a great rest of your day. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.